many are awake? How many ate too much? Amen. Great, great, great messages this morning and last night. Amen. Tremendous preaching, tremendous presence of God. I'm uh, blessed. That's what I came for, to get knocked down. Amen. God knocks you down and then picks you back up if you repent. Amen. I did some repenting last night, Pastor Dustin. I'm going to do some repenting this morning. And uh, how many know you never get done repenting? If you want to stay right with God, you better learn how to repent good. Amen. Don't be a self-righteous person that says, oh, I got that done a long time ago. I'm good. No, you're not good. Amen. Maybe you are good. I, I ain't going to be the judge. Amen. But if you've got a Bible, if you'll turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, I'm going to read some scripture there. Story about a pastor that got up into the pulpit with a Band-Aid on his face. And he apologized. He began to tell the story that he was shaving that morning and he was thinking about his sermon and he cut his face. Afterwards, the usher found a note in the collection plate, gave it to the pastor. The note said, next time, think about your face and cut the sermon. <laughs> Amen. That's good. Amen. <laughs> Amen. We live in a specialty world today. Oh, you know, I want to... Before I go any further, I want to thank Pastor Blake and, and Carla for hosting this. And what a tremendous blessing it is to you. Uh, amen. We've been looking forward to being here. I wasn't looking forward to it so much when I found out I was preaching. But, amen, blessing, blessing to be. We take for granted what we have. Uh, service last night, I was weeping. I could feel God all over me. It was powerful. I've been going to churches in Montrose. My wife and I, Robbie, were sent out of the conference in October to start a church in Montrose. And so while we were there, uh, they told us to visit some churches, see what's going on. So we're visiting churches. We haven't found a church yet that has what we have. And I don't say that in an arrogant way. Uh, but we have something precious. We're part of something powerful. And uh, Pastor Bland and Robin came to visit us a couple of weeks ago. And I said, Pastor, thank you so much for staying by this stuff. Amen. How many you know you have to fight to keep what we have? You got to fight the devil. You got to fight some fights. And uh, thank God for Pastor Paul and Pastor Jones and all of our leaders who sacrifice and hold on to some things and stand for some things. Uh, things are changing. Our world is changing. Amen. And, and we have a generation that's lost, and we have, to, we have to change some things to reach the younger generation. I want to see revival, and so I'm willing to change. I'm an old school guy. I hate change, but I'm willing to change whatever it takes so we can win souls for the kingdom of God. That's what we want to do, populate heaven. And so uh, I want to challenge you, amen, in your Christian life, be flexible. Let God change your mind about things. That's what repentance is, by the way. That's changing your mind. I used to think this way. I used to think you had to, if you're going to be a Christian, you have to do this and do that and say this and say that. And God's been able to change my mind about some things only by his grace. Not me because I'm hard-headed and I'm stubborn. But God's going to help us in this service this morning, I believe. And I want to, I want to talk about the world we live in. We live in a, a specialty world. The, the doctors specialize in a certain practice. You have athletes that they specialize in a certain area. You'll have them run in and off the field or off the court. They don't, they don't do this thing. They don't do that thing. They just specialize in one area. Even in construction, I'm in the uh, field of construction. In construction, you have drywall guys. You have framers. You have finished carpenters. You have 
plumbers, you have electricians. These are people that they specialize in one area. They're not good in a whole lot of areas, but they specialize in this one area, and they can get the job done. And I was thinking about that thought because in the church, we need to be a special church. And I've been going to churches in Montrose, and I've been visiting them with an open mind, and I'm not going in a judgmental frame of mind. I'm not going saying, oh, you guys do that wrong, and you guys do this. I'm going to learn, and I pray, God, open my eyes. I want to see what's going on here in the church world. And as I've gone and seen and studied and prayed and, and wondered and, and pondered some things in our fellowship and what we do and what we stand for, I have a greater appreciation for what we are part of. And I believe that we're a special church. But we have to hold on to some things. We have to value some things. The Word of God tells us uh, that there are things that we need to value and hold on to and hold fast to if we're going to continue to be a special church that reaches this generation. And I want to preach a message I've entitled, A Special Church, out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Bible says, wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. How many know Jesus is precious? Verse 5, you also are living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believes on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient. Whereunto also they were appointed, but you, this is what I want to focus on, verse 9, you are a chosen generation a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, send your word into our hearts today. God, minister in this place. Change us. Oh, God, change our hearts. Make us a people that are special. God, a special called out of darkness into your marvelous light to show forth your praises. Bless us and help us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First thing I want to talk about is the need for focus. The need for focus. I tease my wife sometimes. I call her OCD. She's not really OCD. But I tease her that way because how many know OCD people, they focus on things that sometimes aren't that important. Like I used to have a guy in my church, he would, he would lock the door of the church and then he would count 20 times. He would try and pull it open and then close it 20 times. Boom, boom, one, two. Three, four, 20 times every time he locked it. Sometimes he'd do that twice, 20 more times. I said, what's that all about? He said, I'm OCD. <laughs> 
I said, okay, well, I would think just once is enough. So I, sometimes I've left the church and didn't lock it. Amen. But there's a need in the church world today to focus on things that are important. How many understand that? How many know if you don't pay attention to things that are important, you begin to major in the minors, and then you end up minoring in the majors. That's what Jesus, his indictment of the religious people of his day in Matthew 23, verse 23, he said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay the tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought to you have done and not to leave the others undone, you blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but within are full of extortion and excess. Uh, Jesus said, you're majoring in the minors. Uh, you're focusing on the wrong things. God doesn't think those things are important. Uh, they're not as valuable, as important as what you should be focusing on. How many know that's where churches get off track? When I'm going into these churches and visiting them, these are good people that want to do something for God. I've oftentimes talked to the, to the pastor and ask him questions and try and get a feel for his vision and his burden. And all, oftentimes these men are good men, good people that want to serve God and love people and do something. But some of the things they do just don't make sense. And they don't get them from the Bible. They get them from culture or the world or, I don't know, one church, they put out a questionnaire on your seats. And uh, you want to fill out the questionnaire before you leave so we'll find out what it takes uh, to minister to you. How many know people sometimes aren't the best judge of what they need? Amen. You go to a doctor. If a doctor says, well, tell me what I need to do for you, I'll be looking for another doctor. Amen. I need you to tell me. Amen. We lead people. Amen. And so the focus has to be on the right things. And if you're not careful, uh, you begin to miss the boat. You miss, you get off track. And like I said, things are changing in our world. Things are changing in our fellowship. Thank God for that. Amen. But we're going to hold on to things that are important. How many you know uh, it's important to do what uh, we do when we reach the lost? Uh, we witness, we evangelize, and we pray, and we do all the things uh, that are in the Bible that uh, God's Word encourages us to do. And we hold fast to those things. In Matthew 13, verse 22, Jesus said, He uh, that received seed among the thorns is he that hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful that's a person that's a church that's a people uh, that have lost their focus uh, they're distracted about many things uh, just like Martha and Mary Jesus said uh, you know what Mary chose the good thing and it won't be taken from her don't get distracted keep your focus the second thing I want to look at are things that we should major in if you want to be a special church I, I made a list of five things five majors that we should major in. Amen. If you minor in these things, you need to learn how to major in them. The first, first of these five things is praise and prayer. As a church, uh, amen, we need to learn how to love God. Primarily and first thing. That's why our worship service uh, is the first thing we do. Uh, we don't start with announcements. We went into one church. Uh, before anything else, a, a lady gets up in front of the pulpit and for 10 minutes talks and gives announcements. The first thing we do is we worship God. 
How many know why we do that? Amen. Because God's first. Amen. Our love for him has to be displayed and shown even before the church service starts. We have pre-service prayer. Why do we do that? Because we want to give God the first part. I had a lady in Brighton tell me one time, well, pastor, you don't preach long enough, and the church service is not long enough. You need to, we need to go longer. And I said, well, I've been here for an hour and a half before we even started a church service. Because I was in the prayer room, and I was up here practicing and doing things. Uh, where were you? She comes in five minutes late and wants to stay for two hours after. I'm fine with that, uh, but don't tell me we need to have a longer service. Uh, let's put God first. Praise and prayer is valuable. It's important. It's primary uh, to everything we do. Everything we do flows out of your prayer to God. You know, when we pray a pre-service prayer, we're contending for that service. We're saying, God, I need you in this place. Amen. I need you to meet with me here. I don't come. It's not a ritual. I don't uh, genuflect, get down on my knees, back up, down, back up. It's, it's God, I need you. Sometimes that's my, my whole prayer. God, I need you. Amen. My wife needs you too. <laughs> Amen. Praise and prayer, primary. So what's the difference between a growing church and a dying church? Jesus. Been into a lot of churches in Montrose, and Jesus isn't there. People aren't converted. There's no weeping at the altar like Pastor uh, Blake preached last night. There's no presence of God. There's religious things, religious people doing religious things, and somehow we think that that's going to touch God. We need something more than that. We need Jesus in our service. Some, I read this quote, said, Some church growth experts sound like real estate agents. With their location, location, location litany. But it's very basic. Focus on Jesus. See, why are you here this week? Are you here because you love Jesus? Are you here because he's primary in your life? And you just want to please him. You want to learn uh, more about him. You want to learn what it takes uh, to serve him long term. I don't want to go to my grave with regrets thinking, man, I could have done more uh, for Jesus. I could have made Jesus the focus. Uh, I want to start now and put Jesus first. I ask the question, does the praise and prayer in your church reveal a hunger for God? Does the praise and prayer in your church reveal a hunger? You know, when I come to the dinner table, most of the times, I'm not hungry. I'm starving. Amen. I can't wait till my wife puts food on the table and, oh, praise God, I'm full after I'm done. But I come hungry. Do you come to church that way? Do you come hungry for God? Say, man, you don't understand. Pastor, my life is messed up. I got this problem and that problem. You know what? You need to be hungry for God. Because God will fill those, uh, amen, empty spaces in your heart, in your life. Uh, if you'll focus, if you make it a focus uh, to put him first, uh, and that's where praise and prayer comes. Do you contend in prayer for the church service? Thank God for people that just show up. You know what? I've had uh, yesterday, last night I just showed up. I didn't come to prayer. I couldn't get out of bed. Uh, at my hotel I had back spasms. And then my wife got mad at me. And then the toilet wouldn't flush. Amen. I had all kinds of issues at my hotel. <laughs> so I didn't make it. I walked in the doors like five minutes before the church service started. But that shouldn't be the habit. I can understand occasionally. But if you're hungry for God, you'll get here early. Say, God, I need you. Even if it's 15, 20 minutes, God, I need you. I'm going to hit the altar. Uh, I'm going to hit the prayer room. Uh, I, when worship uh, starts, uh, many of these churches I've been in, in in Montrose, most of the people don't participate in worship. 
Don't raise their hands. Don't sing. Guys are checking everything out. And I, I had to come to the conclusion that uh, many of these people are not converted. Because when you get saved, you get converted, something transpires in your life. Man, I, be, I became a worshiper. Amen. Uh, praise God. Glory to God. Thank God. Uh, he saved me. He changed me. He gave me purpose. I'm not the same person I used to be. Thank God. I, yes, I got problems, uh, but I'm, not, I'm different. Amen. And it's all because of him and what he did, uh, his power, his glory, and I'm a worshiper. Isaiah 55.1, yo, Everyone that thirsts, come to the waters. And he that has no money, come, buy and eat. Uh, yes, come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. Uh, why do you spend money for that which is not bread? Uh, why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently unto me and eat. Uh, yes, that which is good and your soul will delight itself in fatness. God calls us, come to me. God calls us, amen, that's an invitation uh, that we all need to take part of. Praise and prayer, primary in a church that is special. Second area we need to specialize in is outreach. And I'm not talking about uh, just once a week or once a month or whatever churches do. Amen, I know churches in Montrose don't outreach. There's one church, though, that they do things like that. They put on movies, and at the end they have a, some, some kind of an altar call. And I'll call it an altar call because people can get saved. Amen. That's a good thing. You give people an opportunity. Uh, but outreach is more than that. Somebody said that the church is a hospital for sinners, not a country club for saints. And so when we outreach, uh, everything that we do, even in a church service, it has to be focused on the lost. It has to be focused on sinners. Amen. What, what do we have to do to make sinners uh, uh, come to a church service and, and feel comfortable? I had a guy tell me one time, Jerry, I can't go to your church. As soon as I walk in, I won't be able to breathe. And I related to that. And I thought about that. You know what? How could I get that guy? I thought about kidnapping him. Didn't, didn't do that. But amen. What can I do to reach the lost? That has to be our focus. You know, that's not just something that we do. That's who we are. Victory World Outreach. We are about the lost. And I want to ask you, when is the last time you witnessed to somebody that's lost? You say, oh, no, that's pastor's job. Or I'm not good. I need, to, I need to learn how to do that. No, everybody needs to do that. We're all called to do that. My kids, uh, I'm teaching them how to do that. And they're only nine and seven. Because we're all called to reach the lost. And God has called us to do that, not just as, as a hobby, not as a, an occasional thing, uh, but it's something that should consume us. It's something that should be a passion uh, that, you know what, there's a person sitting next to me. I, I have to tell them about Jesus. I've had a tremendous response in Montrose. I've, I've been uh, given a job that is just such a blessing. I can witness all day long, every day to people. I've just, I, God's just given me an open door prayed with a number of people. Yeah, I've made some people mad. Oh, well, they won't be mad at me in eternity. But you know what? Now they're mad because I ticked them off or whatever the case is. But you know what an open door we have in the world we live in. People are lost. People are broken. People are messed up. Uh, people have problems that we've never experienced before. Young people that are desperate and hurting. Uh, and oh, for a, uh, for a crop of young people that would just 
find who Jesus is uh, and turn them loose on our generation uh, to reach the lost and to begin to testify and preach about uh, what Jesus can do and what God can bring uh, in your life if you just turn your life uh, over to him. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which is, lo- which is lost. The heart of God uh, is for reaching the lost. And this must, let me, let me tell you, if you're going to be a special church, this must be an obsession. You ever met somebody obsessed? They don't think about anything else. I guarantee you, if that, you make that an obsession, you're going to be fruitful. You're going to be a special church. Third thing we should major in is giving. This is another thing that dumbfounds me. In the churches in Montrose, they no longer pass an offering plate. They put a box on a wall in another room, and sometimes they'll mention it, sometimes they won't, but they don't ever challenge their people to give. And I know some people, they're glad because of that, but you know what? You're not doing people any good if you don't challenge them to give. We're blessed in this fellowship because you'll have a man tonight get up behind this pulpit and challenge you to give. And that's not for his benefit. Uh, That's for your benefit. Uh, Amen. If you're going to be a special church, uh, you better be a giving church. And I'm not talking about offerings. I'm talking about tithes and offerings and going beyond. Pastor Jones stretches me. When he takes an offering at conference, I love it. Because I'm blessed because of it. But he challenges me and he stirs me. And if you've never been there, amen, you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you have, you know. Man, God begins to dial in on your greed. Amen. And dial in on your covetousness. And and dial in, convict your heart. And before you know it, you just want to run to the altar and cry, I'm sorry, God, uh, that I have any money in my bank account. (laughs) Amen. Because we need to give till it hurts. Amen. Not just finances, but finances is a big part of it. You know why people say, oh, that church, all they went through is your money. You know why they say that? Because they're greedy. That's why. Because they got a covetous heart. Amen. They need to repent. Amen. And when God will, when God will break a person like that and turn them into a giver, what a blessing that comes to their life. You know, thank God I used to be that way. And sometimes I can still be that way. And God has to whip me. And get me to repent and get a Pastor Jones to get up and, and, and pull a, an offering and challenge me. You know what? You need to give $1,000. So, oh, wait a minute here. You're talking about my toy money. You want to be a special church? Or do you want to just be ho-hum mediocrity? Because a special church gives. Jesus said, Luke 16, 23, no servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who loved money heard this, and they sneered at Jesus. And he said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men. But God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying, you major in the minors, and you minor in the majors. Jesus is telling these religious people, you know what? You're greedy. You need to give. Bible tells us in that text that they loved money. Do you love money? Amen. We all, to a certain extent, love money. But do you love it more than Jesus? Jesus clearly said here, you can't love God and money. 
you have to make a choice. Either you're going to pursue money and say, that's going to satisfy me, that's going to uh, feel my soul, or you're going to pursue God, and you're going to put money in its rightful place uh, and begin to use it for what God intended it for, and that's to bless his kingdom uh, and to be a special church. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19, lay up not for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust corrupts, uh, where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven uh, where neither moth nor rust does corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. Uh, for where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Many churches today don't pass an offering plate. They don't challenge people to give. We're blessed. We're blessed. I know you didn't think that when we had an offering. Uh, you didn't recognize that. But I, I want to challenge you. Think about that now. When we have an offering tonight, think about how blessed we are uh, that people will challenge us, that God will challenge us to give for your benefit. I mean, I, I've uh, had a number of blessings in my finances related to this right here. When you view money correctly, God can open the windows of heaven. When you handle money correctly, God can bring blessing on your life. Pastor Jones said if he can get money through you, he'll get money to you. And I'm blessed because of that. Number four, area where we should major, making disciples for the work of the ministry. Pastor Mario touched on that this morning. Making disciples, teaching people. I want to read some areas that, of discipleship where there's such a great need. And I know this because uh, I've been in the ministry for a while now. But in, in Montrose, there's a couple, there's a family in this church that we met. And we became friends with them. We found out that they had just moved to Montrose from Brighton two months before we did. And they said the reason that they moved was God had been laying on their heart that he had a purpose for them in Montrose. Now, right away, if you know my wife and I, we said, we know what that purpose is. <laughs> you need to link up with us. But maybe not. See, they're already in a church. <coughs> but God's given me an opportunity to minister to this man. He's a fairly new convert. He's been saved about a year. And his wife has expressed to my wife in, in private that, I wish somebody would disciple my husband to teach him to be the man of God that I want him to be. See, she's a mature saint, and she married a guy that's not a mature saint, and she longs for and yearns for somebody uh, that would just uh, take this man and begin to disciple him and teach him. And he's got such an open spirit that I just can't help but amen speak into his life every time we're around and, and try and minister to him and help him. Uh, I invited him to the next discipleship you guys have, and he said he would come. He would sacrifice his whole day. He's got one day off, uh, and he would sacrifice his whole day to come with me. He's got four kids at home, great family man, but he's hungry for God. We need to make disciples out of those men and women, young people that need uh, some instruction. I wrote down a list of things, uh, uh, areas of discipleship where people need how to raise a family. You'd be amazed how many people don't know how to raise a family. Pastor Bland said some kids grow up, other kids are raised. That means you teach them. Teach your kids. How to, how to do this. Teach your kids how to value things that are important. Uh, how to work. I'm amazed at how many people don't know how to work. Amen. When I can outwork you, I'm in my 50s. If you're in your 40s or 30s or 20s, I shouldn't be able to outwork you. If I can, something's wrong. Amen. You should work hard. Well, I don't, you don't understand. I'm underpaid. Well, so am I. Amen. That's an excuse of our whole generation. We're not valued. 
Work hard. My dad was an old union guy, uh, but he told me, you know, the unions become corrupt uh, because they want you to uh, they want you to pay out, uh, but they don't want to do the work. He said, in my day, uh, we gave them eight hours work for eight hours pay. We didn't cut the corners. We gave them uh, what they were paying us for. Uh, and he said, the problem with today's generation is they're lazy. How to work. How to minister and win people to Jesus. Had a lady ask me, she said, I, I've never prayed with anybody. I've been going outreach for years, witnessing to people for years, and I've never prayed with anybody uh, to win Jesus. How do you do it? And I said, go with somebody that does, and you'll learn. And she went that very uh, same outreach. She went with the lady that prays with people all the time, and she said, she came back, she said, I prayed with my first sinner today. You learn. You learn how to do that by watching other people. I wouldn't give you a dime for somebody that says, oh, I got this all figured out. I know how to do everything. You can't teach me anything. I still learn. Amen. And I prayed with a lot of people to receive Jesus. Uh, but I go with people and I learn and I study uh, because I want to learn how to do this. And we need to teach others how to do this. How do you win people? How do you bring somebody to a decision? Uh, when you're witnessing to them on the street, do you ever offer, offer a chance? Hey, can I pray with you? Would you like to receive Jesus? Give them an opportunity. Uh, amen. That's what a church service is all about. That's what an altar call is all about. Giving people a, a chance to make a decision for Christ. Uh, and all those things are learned. Uh, amen. That's an area of discipleship drastically needed in the church to be special. How to be faithful. How to be faithful. That is, that's a sermon right there. Areas of discipleship. Teach people how to be faithful. Amen. You think that's faithfulness? That's not faithfulness. Uh, this is what you need to do to be faithful. Amen. Come to church and be here. We, we're relying on you. We're depending on you. Uh, do what you're supposed to do. Be where you're supposed to be. Faithfulness. Would you uh, pay $500 a month for a car that only started once every 30 days? Some people come to church once every three services and say, I'm faithful. Would you, would you buy a refrigerator that worked only three weeks out of the month? No, we want something that's faithful. God's the same way. God needs faithful people. Fifth area we need to major in to be a special church is encouragement. People of faith should always have hope. And if you come into a church service and you're discouraged, thank God for people that encourage us. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad, amen, that people will wrap their arms around you? I love my wife, uh, how she prays with women uh, at the altar. She'll come up, and I said, man, you do that so good. She'll come up alongside a woman and put her arm around her and hug her as she's praying with her, the sinner's prayer or whatever she's ministering to her about. Thank God for encouragement. If you're going to be a special church, you have to develop an ability to encourage people. And this is, I'll admit, this is my weakest area, encouraging people, using our words uh, to encourage somebody else. So vital because so many people are kicked and torn up from the floor up all week long. And then they come into a church service uh, and somebody will speak into their life and not sensitive to anything they're going through, not sensitive to how they're feeling, uh, what kind of day they've had, uh, just trying to, uh, amen, in a way uh, minister to them, but in a way they lost it. They're not aware, they're not sensitive uh, to what this person is going through. Proverbs 25, 20 says, Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day. You know, I've seen people in the church take off somebody's garment because of the things that they'll say to them or how they'll minister to them. Do you have compassion in your heart for people? 
Can you tell when somebody's broken and hurting that, that man, they just need a word of encouragement? I'm not going to slam them. I'm not going to hit them over the head. I'm going to love them. I'm going to encourage them. Special churches do this. Special people do this. They reach out, amen, no matter what they're going through. I remember being encouraged by a man uh, whose son was dying of leukemia, and he didn't have very long to live. And he's, the man is standing there as a, a young convert in Tucson. The man is standing there uh, trying to encourage me. That's a special man. That's a special church that does that, encouraging people. In the midst of darkness, we minister to people uh, where they're at. Amen. We need to be sensitive uh, to what they're going through and their needs. British actor Michael Wilding was once asked if actors and actresses had any traits which set them apart from other human beings. Listen to what he said. He said, oh, without a doubt, you can pick out an actor by the glazed look that comes into his eyes when the conversation wanders away from themselves. <laughs> said, you bet. We're selfish generation. We're so consumed with what we're going through and how we feel and our problems and our needs. Uh, and we have to be able, by the supernatural grace of God, to develop, uh, amen, a grace to touch other people's lives and to be an encouragement to them and a blessing. Those are the five majors I have. I'm going to go on to the third point in a minute. But I want to stop here and add a few things because... I wrote down three other things, areas where we should focus. One is altar calls. Altar calls are so vital because there's a decision and decisions that are being made at an altar call where the presence of God is ministering to hearts, and they are so vital, and so few churches do them anymore because they make people feel uncomfortable. Can I tell you, if you feel uncomfortable in an altar call, you probably ought to come forward and get down on your knees and cry out to God. Say, God, I repent. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Whatever I've been doing, I'm sorry. Please uh, uh, forgive me. Give me your mercy. Uh, people need to feel uncomfortable. How many know if you're going to hell, doesn't matter how many times you go to church, if you're still going to hell. And thank God for an altar call where people are brought to a decision. Where people have a clear-cut choice. Many of these churches in Montrose, uh, they don't want to ruffle anybody's feathers. Uh, so there's a, a little, a few second thing and boom, move right on. We don't want to make it feel too uncomfortable for people. You know what? There's a lot of people in that church service that could have got saved. If you'd have pulled an altar call and said, man, repent. Call people to repentance. Call people to make a choice to repent and leave their past behind. Valuable, vital in people's lives. Another area is praying for needs. I've went to a church service where I was hurting, and I was thinking, well, maybe they'll pray at the end. Not. <laughs> they don't do that anymore. They don't call people, hey, you, you, you have a need, let's pray. We'll lay hands on you. Pastor Blake, after the service, pulled me aside and said, hey, you need prayer, we'll lay hands on you. We'll pray. How valuable that is, that God will intervene, uh, and maybe he'll do a miracle. Maybe he'll touch you and change you, uh, and praying for needs in an altar, laying on of hands, uh, and praying for people's needs, how vital that is. Last is preaching that challenges people. How many have been challenged? This doesn't happen other places. This preaching that we've heard doesn't happen I don't know about all the churches in Montrose, but the ones I've been to, I've heard one sermon. That I said, wow, I was challenged in that word. And I've been to a number of services, and they're just afraid to do it because people will leave. 
Thank God we have a man of God that will stand behind a pulpit or sometimes maybe even get in your face and challenge you. Amen. And say, you know what? Step it up. You're going to give God those leftovers? Why don't you give God your best? And, and challenging preaching is vital to people growing and maturing in faith. Sometimes we get a little uncomfortable with that because the whole church world says that's bad. It's not bad. It's for our benefit to be challenged in preaching. So third and last, I want to close with talking about identifying with the local body. In the verse 9 of 1 Peter 2, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. One of the things that stands out about this verse of scripture here is when he refers to us as believers, he puts us in a category of a group. Every reference to the church here is in a group setting. And I wanted to point out something about that. You know what's special about the church is when we come together, we're the church. When we're by ourselves, we're not the church. If you go to the mountains by yourself and you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go up here to the mountains to get along with God, you're not the church. The church is where the people are. The church is where we're assembling together. And there's an identity that takes place when we assemble together that you never have anywhere else. Do you know that? I want to I I challenge you. Look at the church different. Because sometimes we think, man, the church has problems. Yes, it does. <laughs> we all have problems, don't we? And we, uh, I got to talk to sister so-and-so. And I go, brother so-and-so, and he's going to, and this is going to happen, and that's going to happen. In this scripture, in this verse, he's putting a valuable necessity in our life with the church. And he's saying, you know what? You're special. There's nowhere else in the world where you're going to be told you're special. But God says when you come and assemble with believers, there's something special about you. You know, you're unique. By yourself, you're unique. But when you come together, you're a special church. You're a unique, uh, he, he points out, you're a chosen generation. That means it was God's choice. Uh, he called you here. Uh, you might think, well, I made the decision to be here this morning. No, you didn't. God chose you. God pulled you out of the world and says, you know what? Uh, I'm tired of seeing you get kicked around by the devil. I'm tired of seeing you get beat up uh, and stretched. And, and you know what? I want to do something precious in your life. Come in here. Uh, he calls us a royal priesthood. How many feel royal here? You're royal. In God's kingdom, God says you're special and you're royal. You're a holy nation, a peculiar people. And he gives us the reason why, that you should show forth his praises. You know, I thank God when I was a young man, I got saved. I, I fought God for a long time. I was 14 before I came to a Pentecostal church. I remember going home after the Pentecostal meeting and I told my mom, do you speak in tongues? <laughs> <laughs> I've been to church my whole life. I've never seen, never heard anything like it. She said, well, it's in the Bible. Well, why didn't you tell me that? And I thank God now because my kids hear me speak in tongues. When I'm praying in the morning, I looked up the other morning, looked at Jeb, and he's looking at me like watching me pray and listening. I said, thank God. Thank God for what we're a part of.
We're part of something special. Thank God, uh, amen, that God is, uh, took in a wretch like me and gave me purpose. Aren't you glad you have purpose this morning? Hallelujah. God, God says, you know what, I'm going to save you. You're going down the wrong road. You're wasting your life. Uh, don't you know how many years and how much time we've wasted uh, doing our own thing? And God says, you're special. Uh, I'm going to give you purpose. And he brings you into a family of God. Uh, he calls you special. Uh, he calls you a chosen people. Uh, he sets his seal upon you, uh, changes your life, gives you a destiny, uh, gives you a reason to get up in the morning. Thank God for that. We're precious. We're special to God. He calls us for a reason. Alone, I lacked identity. But together as a people, we're, we're precious to God. God values you in his kingdom. Don't look at yourself like you're just, I don't, I don't have any skills. I don't have any value to God. God says, you know what? I have a purpose for you. That's why we're here this morning. Amen. Because God's not done. God's going to use us. God's going to help us. And I believe in this altar call, God's going to touch some people. And you've been yearning, you've been longing for something different in your life. God says, you know what? I'm going to do something powerful in your life. Let's bow our heads. Close our eyes just for a moment. No one's looking around. Christians are quietly praying. I want to, first thing, the most important thing, give an opportunity if there's any here this morning that you do not know Jesus as your Savior. You're not saved. You're not right with God. Maybe you go to church. You may go to this church, but you're not right with God. You're not saved. You're not born again. You've never repented of your sin. You've never made a decision to leave your sin behind and ask God to forgive you. I want to tell you that now is your time. God is dealing with your heart. God is drawing you by his spirit come to me son and daughter ask me and I'll forgive you and if that's you how many would raise your hand up high how many hands would go up say that's me pastor I'm not saved God bless you I see that hand honest heart God bless you I see that hand how many more join these honest hearts I'm not right with God if Jesus was to come back today I don't know where I would spend eternity but I want to get right with him today how many hands you'd raise them up high? I'm not asking you to join a church or a religion, just be honest. Be honest, say, I need God, I need Jesus as my Savior. I believe He died on the cross and that He rose again from the dead. I want to trust Him. One last call. You join these honest hearts, say, That's me, Pastor. I want to get saved. I want to give my life to Jesus. We're going to change the order. I want to open these altars, but before I do, I want to challenge you. God has spoken to you this morning. Maybe it's in your area of your private life. You know there's things that you're doing. There's attitudes. There's things that are hidden in your life that God's dealt with you this morning. You need to repent. I want to challenge you. Repent. Come forward. Say, God, I'm done. I'm going to make my private life pleasing to you. Maybe God spoke to you about looking forward, believing that there's bigger and better things that he has for you, not being consumed with your past and moving forward and trusting God. 
I want to challenge you to repent. Say, God, I'm sorry for the way I've been living, the direction I've been going, focusing on my past. You know, many times people's failures of the past hold them back. God's forgot them. You need to move forward. You need to repent of holding on to your past and move forward. I'm going to open these altars. Come, find a place to pray. If you raised your hand for salvation, come, find a place to pray. We're going to stand and sing this song. Let's spend some time in the presence of God. Just cry out, desperate for you, God, desperate for you as we sing this song.